Welcome to the Creative Minds Podcast with me, Callum Hughes. Something for your mind. So yeah, thanks everyone for joining so far. So this is episode two of my Creative Minds series. So last week I was joined by musical Don and mastermind uh, Ray Mono. And tonight I'm joined by Hot Creations and Paradise artist Mikey Brain. So yeah, thanks for joining me, mate. So... We did catch up the other day on the phone and you mentioned alongside your social work, which we'll discuss just a little bit later on, that you're still doing a lot of work for Hot Creations at the moment, even though sadly things are on hold in terms of the events. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm still, I mean, still plenty, there's still plenty of releases coming. So uh, there's, there's three that I've done that I've not sort of put on Instagram or anything like that that I'm excited to, to share soon. Yeah. Yeah, it's plenty of like, behind the scenes work. So obviously that... Normally this time of year I'd be uh, um, in a beef in Paradise doing the airstream, yeah. helping some of the, the, the Paradise artwork that I, that I do sometimes. So, but um, but yeah, there's plenty of work with the Heart Creations and, and yeah, they're still pumping out releases. So. Yeah, that that's cool, man. So I think the last piece that you were working on was it East End Dubs's EP. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the, so yeah, that, that one. Um, I, I, I really like it, actually. It's, um, I really like the artwork I did for it. And there's um, basically yeah, there's there's two more. I can't really. I'm not. I don't think I'm allowed to say who the other who the other releases are for as well until until they've been announced. So I won't drop you in it, mate. Otherwise, otherwise, Jamie, Jamie will be on the phone to you saying, Mikey, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, so like sneak peeks half the press, but yeah, yeah, no, it's keeping me on my toes definitely. Um, but I suppose a lot of people are creating, aren't they? At the moment, they've got to stay indoors. They're not allowed to go out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think at the moment, there's a lot of people, like for me, it, it's been really helpful that I've been able to come away from the party scene and it's actually give me a fresh head. And I've, I think literally, like, apart from when I'm doing these live streams, I haven't been drinking at all, haven't been doing any, any of the other party antics as well. So if anything, it's probably done me a favour. But just before we discuss more about your involvement with Hot Creations in Paradise, I mean, I first started listening to like the Hot Creations tunes probably back in 2015, and the artwork was one of the main things that attracted me. But I didn't come across your page until probably a couple of years afterwards. So yeah. even before your involvement with Hot Creations... Obviously, anyone I know that's good at art, normally it's like a, a, a natural gift or talent. So have you done it literally since you were like knee high or how, how did you discover that you had the talent for art or how did it evolve? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I was always into sort of colouring in and, um, and sketching stuff when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, uh, doing stuff like that. Um, you, you know, every now and again, I had the art teacher to say, oh, that was a really good piece of work you know all the way through school I got an A at GCC and stuff like you, you know so the, there obviously was a skill there but um, I mean with a lot of art I suppose you could argue the natural gift for people uh, doing art is, is their sort of maybe a bit of an inherent ability but there's a technique to actually everything so yeah. a lot of the big scale work stuff that I do um, 
involves sort of like you know drop lining string and, and and sort of measuring backward circles and spirit levels and stuff like that yeah uh, some people are just naturally good at doing stuff with eyes and spray cans and stuff like that a lot of my stuff especially bigger stuff measured so and um a lot of it is is self-taught and self-taught again and and you know you know what they say about anything whether it's sort of detail music production art um there's there's like a theory of ten thousand hours worth of practice and and yeah i just i, I find that i'm constantly learning new stuff yeah but i think it's more about having an inherent desire rather than an inherent ability yeah so creativity i don't think so you can learn um how to draw a face or you can learn perspective you can learn rendering techniques but i think um creativity and keeping uh, having fresh ideas and uh, it's, i don't think it's necessarily something that's learned um i think that's that's either in people or not really so yeah definitely so like you were saying there, I think passion is the main thing and it's good that you have the mindset of you're always learning. It's not like you're dismissive and you're just like, no, I know what I'm doing. You're always, I suppose, seeking inspiration from others, but also, like, do, do you ever collaborate with other people or is it normally just in individual work that you do? Yeah, massively. I, I'm going back, I'm massively inspired by other people and there's loads of my peers that, you know, proper inspire me all the time and, you know, you try and reverse engineer how people have done things from a technique perspective. Obviously, not looking ideas, but from how 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 did they do that technique, for example? Yeah. But collaboration-wise, um, you know, one of the, um, the the biggest collaborations I do is with a guy called Nicholas Dixon. Right. So I don't know if you've ever seen the Octane artwork in Ibiza all across the um, top of the club and stuff. Yeah. He's someone that I used to hang around with in Leeds, and we had a, cl- a collaborative um, sort of duo called Dick Brain. And, um, the Dick Brand Collective, and we did like an exhibition at the, um, just before um, the Circa Loco party at Stinky's Peep House, which is like a um, infamous venue in Leeds. Yeah. Similar to what, how people would probably see Rainbow. <laughs> probably not on the, on the level, but you know. Similar. Yeah. Um, and where, where Basics was, ha- was housed for years and years. Um, and, and we did a sort of exhibition there, and we, and we carried on collaborating for years and years. He went on to do uh, work for with Eats Everything, and he does work with in-house music and stuff like that. Yeah. So that was a really decent collaboration, and I've, I've collaborated with various artists since then as well. It's something I really enjoy doing. Yeah, that's so, good, man. That that's really good because I think although it's good to have your own solo projects, it's the same really being an artist as it is being a music producer. Whilst you're doing a have your own credit doing your solo projects, I think it is good to collaborate with other individuals because you both you both bounce off one another there's certain things that you might not have done in your artwork that then like you say it's not you replicating or nicking ideas it's just you know you, you you're both inspired by by one another's work but that's cool man but in terms of like your own individual style because obviously you're known infamously because of your your abstract work would you say that that naturally evolved like and you found your feet with that as you grew up or was that always your style or yeah well i mean so, so probably in like the early years i was um i was into sort of graffiti tagging that sort of stuff and um and uh, I, I wrote like uh easter in uh, that was my sort of tagging in birmingham and i did a couple of um uh, pieces in and around birmingham but there's a certain element of like criminality that goes with graffiti especially when you're 15 you can't afford to break hands uh, yeah yeah you know, and um and you have to do them on walls it's illegal so uh, as, soon, as soon as I went to sort of A-level college and, and uh, I moved at home quite young, I was, I was sort of like, you know, 17, just turning 18 when I moved at home, I had some space, yeah. did, did art myself. I 
moved to Sweden for a bit when I was um, just after my 18th birthday. Oh, really? Yeah, and um, I basically had a little studio. I had, had quite a nice flat with a girl I'd met, a Swedish girl. And, yeah, um, bet you did. I had, like a little studio <laughs> in the corner of the flat and um, like self-portraits and stuff like that. And, yeah. You know, did, back then, I mostly did self-portraits or pastels um, and all paint self-portraits and tried to uh, like build build some skills and stuff. Yeah. And it was always the view that I was going to go to art art college and um and then i come back from sweden um heartbroken from the swedish girl <laughs> you know and i uh, got a job and um and i i just fell into a job just ended up working i was, I was a retail manager at the end and i was always like i'm gonna go to art college next year yeah and it never really happened uh, but i carried on painting in the background but i moved more towards abstract and it's different to the abstract that you, you think of me now it's a, it's a lot darker and in tone yeah and um and then just uh, i was uh, toying with the idea of going to art college but by that point i was used to earning a certain wage yeah and that's where um and i was i was sort of interested in in sort of social justice and stuff like that so social work seemed like a the right sort of choice yeah and uh, just as i applied for social work uh, degree i started selling abstract work on on um it was a Birmingham based but it was quite a good platform um, called Woom. Uh, it was like a, an on- online gallery back when sort of online galleries were fairly new and stuff. Yeah. And um, so I started selling work and then I, started, I sold one of my first pieces to Richie Ahmed actually. No way. Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was like a replica of something that was upstairs in the rainbow. Yeah. And I started selling work. And then once a, a, few, a few people within the house meeting scene had seen work, people had mostly seen work upstairs in the rainbow. And yeah. And Richie and stuff. Sold more and more. And I started thinking, oh, should I have done social work? Should I, should I have done that fine art degree? But, you know, you make your choices, don't you? Yeah, so, of course, mate. Definitely. I think it's good as well that you have that balance between doing the social work, which obviously you must love doing because you're still doing it now, but you still get to have your passion project on the side, so you get the best of both worlds um, yeah, in a yeah. way. I mean, don't get me wrong. Back in 2014, I quit, I quit social work for a, for a brief period and moved to Ibiza and... Um, that's when I started doing live work for Paradise, basically. And, yeah. Uh, and I was thinking at the time, I'm never going back to social work again. Yeah. And obviously, the season ended. <laughs> the, the horror, <laughs> the horror's set in, and then you realise probably better get back to work now. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna need some money now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to be honest, with you saying that you, you quit social work to go and do the season, probably the best decision makes. I'm not sure if doing social work and also doing the season would have worked out quite well, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have needed social work. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be giving yourself counselling lessons at after parties. <laughs> oh, man. So with you saying then that you moved to Sweden for like a brief um, hiatus and then you came back and then that that's really cool because I, I kind of see similarities with with myself there because sometimes you 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 do something like unintentionally and then it opens a door to something else so you just kind of innocently sold your pieces online yep. to someone who happened to be involved in the scene and then obviously because you were putting pieces up in rainbow then naturally it catches people's eyes and that that's what I do love about the underground scene is that a lot of the the artists in terms of like DJs and producers, because, you know, their mind operates differently. They view things in a different way. Like the music and the art goes hand in hand. So when they see these things, it, like, it intrigues them. Some people, they're just like, oh, it's just, pff, just a piece of art, like whatever. But to them, it's, some, it's something more. And that's what I find interesting when Richie was doing a live stream 
I think it was last week with one of the lads on our roster, Dale Hart, and he seems like very spiritual, very much into the art as well. And yeah. do, do you normally find that with, with a lot of the guys that you meet in the industry, like DJs and producers, are they normally like really intrigued about your artwork and, and that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, it's always, it's always seems to have gone hand in hand. Like a lot of the, but I, I guess like a lot of us were all friends from, from years ago. And then there's some people that I've met along the way. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess like, you know, you sort of sit out in, um, I mean, I, I don't really sort of go out and, and, and mix as much as I used to, but we'd be sort of sitting after parties and, you know, the, the, the art would come up and you'd show what you're doing and they'd sort of play what they're doing and stuff like that. So, yeah, so yeah definitely always did sort of go hand in hand. And then in the Hot Creations, the Hot Creations days, so say, but like, when I did the drums, like, Richie sort of uh, called me up and was like, yeah, I want this to be mint, mate, you know, like... yeah, yeah. No yeah, pressure. The big man from South Shield saying, all right, mate, if you don't fucking sort <laughs> this out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah there's, def- there's definitely an intrinsic link between the two. Definitely. Yeah, that that's cool, man. Yeah, one of the questions I was going to ask later on with, with you saying that naturally when you're at an after party, you start to mingle with different people in your network and then people ask what do you do because obviously a lot of people what i love and it probably makes life easier for you is you don't get you don't get hassled when you're at parties because people only know you for your artwork normally unless they know you personally they don't recognize you by face so you can kind of kick back and relax a bit until someone's like oh so what do you do and then you're like oh buddy hell here we go like <laughs> do, the, do the artwork and then before you know it, everyone's you know going for your collection but what one of the one of the funny things i heard um when when waff was doing a live stream a couple of weeks ago also with dale dale asked him how long did it take you like with his early hot creations productions to make joe johnson and he goes oh, i just used to go to after parties and just get get me fucking tracks out and just i made joe johnson in 20 minutes and i was like how is that even possible to like make a tune like that in 20 minutes but do, have you ever been like at an after party and someone's been like come on then mate like Put, put a piece of art together or anything yeah. random like that. You know, you know like, back, back years ago, when, when um, we had, uh, in Birmingham, in Nedgefast, we had, like, a uh, below, uh, some of the below guys and um, and me, we lived in a house, and it was, like, a bit of a, a below after-party house. Yeah. And uh, and there was always, like, I was always sort of scribbling on bits of carpet. It wasn't anything that glamorous. It was, like, bits of cardboard. Yeah. Quite crazy abstract pieces and stuff like that. And we'd stick them on the walls, but, you know, in the deck room and stuff like that. So uh, that was that was fairly off the cuff. And, um, you know, they're all quite bizarre. And I've done it from time to time. But I suppose the, the most sort of creative I've been in them sort of environments has been um, probably at, like, Gotwood. That's, like, a perfect example. Yeah. Where for like three days I'm sort of like you know get involved with what's going on in Gotwood like the art and the music and stuff like that and the drinking and stuff but then um, they're obviously doing a big mural at the same time as well which yeah. is always like interesting so yeah that that's cool man so you were mentioning below there and like with me running the undergrowth parties with Fleur now and you know I'm lucky to work for your likes of like Willpower Tom Shorters them kind of people with brands like Terminal like even though I'm not going to go into too much detail because obviously it's not necessary, but obviously over the years there has been politics in the Birmingham scene, but promoters will always give credit where it's due around parties like Below. So what what is it that, obviously you being a music head as, as well as an artist, what is it that you think made Below stand out? Like Was it because it was so ahead of its time musically or what, what do you think made it such like a legendary party? 
mixture of various different things, really. It just had all the right formulas. I think at, at the time, like, um, Adam and Lee were going, we were all going to London and going to places like Secret Sundays and stuff like that. They were heavily influenced by Ibiza. Uh, no one had really done a, a daytime party in Birmingham. The idea of partying on a Sunday was a bit taboo as well, you know, like the, the feeling that, you, you know, you're, you're at a party at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, on Sunday, you know, when you should probably have a Sunday lunch with your parents. <laughs> That, thing, that, that whole and then obviously the music was was just spot on as well mm. Shelton Shelton's always been one of my you know I've got you know massive respect for Shelton he's always been one of my favourite DJs anyway yeah with that bias and stuff yeah so I think they just had all the elements together he had his uh, he had loads of musical integrity the venue obviously that they got in, in the end was the Rainbow uh, first they started doing the parties in various different places but then as soon as they secured the, uh, the Rainbow started doing Sundays yeah everything just fell into place you know, particularly around the sort of bank holiday parties and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just, just all, everything just felt right at the right time. And then people from all different, so all of our friendship groups and people that then went, uh, then become sort of bigger DJs and stuff, all came from different cities like Manchester, yeah. South Shields, Newcastle, Leeds, London. And they all came and congregated and partied there uh, because it was like, you know, um, like almost like a reunion for people who've been in the Bifa, yeah. Uh, people that, that, that partied in there, various different parties in Leeds and Manchester as well. So, so there was a real family of people. There weren't all rummies that partied there. there was, yeah. Really Cross pollinated. So. That, that's what I think's really good as well. Is that that's what I'm trying to achieve now, like with the undergrowth parties. Like whilst I still want to have that personal connection with the Birmingham family. You want to branch out. You want your brand to be known as much as possible, and by networking and having that relationship with people from all different cities from around the UK or even overseas or it, it, it's a it's a special feeling man because because sometimes that's the only time that you might properly see each other is when you come together to to party and you know to basically just have it off to like quality DJs but um who were the main residents back then apart from Shelton Yeah. But I mean, the, the most consistent resident was was obviously Shouts. Um, uh, he was, you, you know, you couldn't get a better, better resident either, you know. Yeah. So, but then I I played a lot in the small room, so I played like um, hip hop, funk, soul, yeah, like that in the in the Rainbow Bar basically. So yeah, that's probably like uh, crossing swords with shorters and stuff. But yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, he's just he's just dropped me a text saying, "Fucking get him off, will you?" <laughs> <laughs> That's what he used to say to me as well. <laughs> uh, no, he's he's a good bloke, short as his man. It was it was funny because I think a time like now when I, I've come back home properly for the first time in ages, and I look back at the old photos from when I first start, started going to raves when I was probably about. 19 or 20 and i remember yeah. he he jumped over the barriers in the textile factory and i was like oh fucking that's tom shorters and I asked him for a photo and then now like i work for him and it, it's mad how <laughs> how th- how things like come to fruition like o- over time but yeah he's, he's... Be for you. <laughs> <laughs> i won't say that mate. <laughs> maybe you, you, you never know one day but un- <laughs> unlikely so following on from 
that and you know your kind of natural journey and progression how is it that you came to meet Jamie and then your relationship kind of took off from there and obviously then you became an integral part of the the hot creations family over time so i met jamie through adam shelton first um we he used to come to birmingham to blows and, and even before that we used to go to secret sundays and uh, jamie had a party called djs can dance uh, like it was like a warehouse party with like skateboard ramps and stuff like that yeah then we to go and stay um you know and uh, party and stuff afterwards with jamie and and we sort of built a, a you know friendship through 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 that really and, and various other people and then see him from time i never really did seasons in the beef back then but i see him from time to time in the beef and then uh, then he sort of became quite big after that and uh, i moved to leeds for a bit and our, our past didn't really cross that much after that uh, every now and again on new year's eve you might see him or something like that or when he played for, for back to basics in leeds yeah and uh, meanwhile i was doing loads of art and in the early days i wasn't doing as much art and then i started did more and did more and then i bumped into him my mate's 30th at his villa party in the beeper um so that would have been about eight years ago yeah um, seven years ago and uh, you know i said oh you know this i've just moved to london this is my artwork and stuff and we're catching up and stuff and then uh, he, one of his close friends dion um she showed him a website and he just gave me a call and he said, oh, you know, I love the website. Uh, I want to do, uh, I want to do something different. Can you do five EPs? Which is like sort of six and a half, seven years ago. Yeah. And um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, buzzing. I'll definitely do it. And, and I've just done every one since, basically. That's mad. That is. Yeah, so I think that's like, probably just a five, commi- five piece commission. But uh, yeah. yeah, that that's cool, then, man. Then, yeah, and, and the thing back then, my work was a bit darker. It was a bit. Um, it was a bit more abstract, a bit darker, less less illustrative, even though it's still quite abstract now. Yeah. And the good thing, I think, about working with Jamie is it really took me out of my comfort zones and just the notion of, I've more or less done a piece every two weeks for that whole sort of six-year period. Well, probably a piece every month and then it wraps up a little bit. Jamie's tastes were, were slightly different at first and, and you know, he, he definitely knows what he wants, what he wants creatively and stuff and he was, you know, he, he set briefs and stuff like that in the early days. Yeah. And then we've got a good working relationship now he sort of knows what i'm going to do and yeah what he's what he's going to be after but it sort of challenged me really to make things a bit more comfortable colorful um yeah and stuff like that so which i think has has helped me build as nice so yeah definitely i think i mean i've not had the privilege of of meeting him but he's always someone that i've looked up to like being in the music scene and I think you can tell with the fact that you've got Hot Creations and you've got Paradise, you've got Hot Nature, you've got all these different like branches and, and elements. Clearly, like, I, I, I mean, I, I'd love to have him on an episode of this because to get into his mind and know how he works creatively is, is mind-blowing because I know that he clearly has a strong team around him to support him, like the likes of yourself and other people, but clearly he's the orchestrator. He knows what he wants. It's just about other people probably taking some of that workload off him and bringing that vision to life as well. Yeah, absolutely. He's got, he's got amazing vision. Yeah, he definitely knows, um, he definitely knows what he wants. He knows, um, you know, whether it's from art, from music and things like that. So, you know, um, yeah, I can't really fault him really. I mean, in the early days as well, he was one of my favourite producers. Um, yeah. You know, and, and still one of my favourite DJs to watch now, you, you know, so... Back, back when he first put parties on, he, he had some releases on Freak and Cheek, and I go back and listen to them now, and yeah definitely but i think there's some really good points there for anyone that's watching is that 
number one, even though you did have that friendship with him, not because of how busy he was and, you know, you kind of went your separate ways um, in some respects, that you still put yourself out there. I know that, you know, you're at, you're at a party and you bumped into him, but, you know, that was never going to fall on your lap. You still made that connection and, you know, you that's what you clearly wanted to do. Obviously, I know yeah. that your work probably caught his eye, but you still went out there and put yourself, you know, out there as well. true mate i mean well if you don't want me asking where did you grow up in birmingham or yeah so birmingham so i, I lived uh, when i was really young i lived in sully for a little bit and then um and then we moved to my parents bought a pub which would be on her street now yeah um, but 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 like her street wasn't her street then anyway. <laughs> <laughs> your parents running the nightingale back in the day <laughs> I lived in Edgebaston for a bit, man. I've I've been in some interesting house shares myself. I lived in Mosley. I've, mate, so, some of the days I genuinely I don't know how I made it to work. I remember the once going at it on like a, a Tuesday night, and I got like the decks out and that, and all my housemates persuaded me. I think I had about forty five minutes kip. Went to work. If anyone from work's watching, I, to be honest, I don't really give a shit now. I don't work in the same department anyway. But I I, I remember getting to work and just feeling that horrendous. I went. I went to the sick room and had a nap for four hours and I came back and I was like, I feel a bit better now, to be fair. But I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure we could both say some, some of the things we got up to, like, I mean, obviously I'm only 20, 25 now. Don't worry. I'm not saying you're old Mikey, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure like some, some of the things you do think, how did I make it to work? Like how, how have I still done my full time job and then done everything like all the passion stuff on the side as well. creations in paradise stuff just for a moment when we were having a chat the other day you mentioned that you were involved with with rainbow um did you say it was around 2013 2014 stage yeah. 
started managing their warehouse and their, and their beach, it must have been about 2011, 2010. So basically, um, like Lee McDonald's is an old friend, and um, I, I sort of got out of retail. Um, I was in fashion retail and stuff, and I got out of that for a bit, and I was about to go to uni, and I started managing the warehouse. Basically. Yeah. I've seen the picture. Shorter's Shorter's always reminisces when he's in his rocking chair and he's reminiscing about the good old days. He's always put, putting up photos of the beach. I mean, it looked next level, to be fair. It was one of the hardest jobs I've ever had because people were just drinking and drinking. Especially like the glass parties. So you had glass parties, below parties. Um, I'm trying to think what else is on there. Bigger than Barry, they're, they're the three main parties yeah. there. And they were just huge and they were all like so that would be sort of your whole week as well so one would be on yeah. Monday one would be you know like one would be on Wednesday or something Thursday and um, the glass parties for example people like people would be just drinking four bottles of rosé which <laughs> Mate, you still see that at Glass now. Mate, because I, I work for Will at Glass. I could do the artist liaison and stage management, and you have some right characters there, man. Like, the way the way, the way way some of the birds talk to you, don't get wrong, like, overall, considering how busy it is, like, decent enough crowd. But, yeah, the way the way some of the birds are, just outrageous. Like, mate, you, the, the birds will probably give you a harder right hook than some of the geezers that go to Glass, man. The, the thing is about that sort of Long in it, mate. Hospitality. It's really good, though. I think it was good to see how it built because obviously, sort of like Lee and that, um, and, and you know, various different partners took the rainbow from being in the pub, then spread it to the warehouse, then under the bridge, and they're just they're just expanding, expanding. It's really good to see it grow. Through yeah. The day. And, you know, we... stuff like putting sand underneath, it, you know, and just stuff that was fairly original, uh, especially for the time. It was definitely so forward thinking and it, it was without a doubt, like I moved to Birmingham 2016, but I was going to your likes of Portal and events like that from like early 2015. And by that point, it, it was at its height. And, you know, events like Chapter 12, it completely changed the landscape of not just the Birmingham scene, but the UK scene as a whole. And I know that, you know, obviously, you know, things have happened and it's now the mill and whatever, obviously not necessary to, to go into detail. I, I stay out of all the politics stuff, mate. For me, I'm probably the same as you. I just like putting on parties. I'd rather just get on with everyone and that's just how it is. But no matter what's happened between anyone over the years, you can never take away that respect that, you know, Lee and the rest of the crew, mate, they, they put on some next level parties, yeah, man. Yeah, just that vision as well, that vision for um, that sort of area of Derrick End and Digbeth and, and, you know, the vision currently for... Um, below Trinity Street, I, that, that's what I liked the most was, because rather than sort of going to London and thinking, oh, I love, I love London, or, I, you know, or going to like Ibiza or Offsona and thinking, oh, I love the parties there, I wish our parties were a bit like that, they were just like, well, let's make our parties like that. And, yeah it is possible like if, if you surround yourself with the right individuals and you've got a strong collective and you know you you're investing the money properly and like you're building the connections and the networking and you've got the right people yeah. involved it definitely can be done 100 percent. and obviously they yeah. they proved that that, that that it could be done and i've said even to this day uh lived in birmingham for nearly five years now chapter 12 
absolutely unreal. Like the, the sets that I saw there, like Capriati and then Jamie Jones, and then you went to the other stage and it was like Dub Fire and Loco Dice. I mean, those kind of artists, you just to have all of them in in literally what like a an underground like metropolitan small area, like in car parks where normally people like park their motors. It it, it is mind blowing. It re- really is. But from from like the I know you mentioned like um bigger than Barry and below and glass what would you say were like the standout parties that you could remember like in individual ones where you you went home at the end of the night and you thought that was unreal like that was lethal uh, look, I could, but basically from the below perspective below's walk were always my favorite yeah and uh, it was always like the when they first did the chapter party they did a sort of chapter and below free day and that was that was standout um, i forget what year it was but it might have been the first one um that that was absolutely incredible um just from venue to venue you know like the the lineup it was like a festival basically it's basically a three-day festival more or less yeah so, and then there was more more, more like underground headsy stuff that was going on in the rainbow club then there was bigger names that were still really good um you know, under this, in the car park bit underneath the bridge and stuff like that. So that, yeah. that was really stand out. But then going back, sort of going back sort of 10, 15 years, the, uh, the bank holidays, the bank holidays, uh, Sunday and Monday party were always, because it'd always be like a Monday, you know, an after party. Right? So, yeah. And then at one stage, they just started moving the parties to Monday. But other people were just fucking Tuesdays at work. <laughs> but yeah, the, I've done that plenty of times. Like, the lineup would be, would be incredible. Um, you, you know, just, yeah, just the uh, they're, they're the ones that stand out really. So, and then other than that, like when when we used to go to when we used to uh, travel up to London, I think that was uh, some of the times where where we had some of the best days really. So yeah, the problem is you get to, you get to my age and then like be uh, not really party properly for four or five years maybe. So all the lineups tend to blur into one. I start talking to friends and like, Do you remember that night? And like, you just mentioned sort of three nights. That, like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, following on from that then, with um, you doing the work for Hot Creations and Paradise, I was looking into to some of the other freelance work you do. So, I think, you know, g- give credit where it's due about some of the other, you know, more freelance projects you work on. So, do you want to just uh, touch upon some of the other bigger projects you worked on, like, independently? Yes, I mean... Sorts really over the years. I mean, so years ago, I used to do sort of loads of abstract paintings, and um, that very different stylistically. I used to sell them on like uh, different platforms like Woo.co.uk uh, and stuff like that. And then I, I started sort of um, doing stuff a bit more um, sort of illustrative and try, tried out loads of different stuff. And I've tried to work bigger as well. I mean, um, I, I did a Patron exhibition with a good friend, uh, Lauren Baker. She's, she's massive now as well. She's she sort of, um, sort of switched careers. She went and did ayahuasca in South America, switched careers, became an artist, and she, you know, she's um, really smashing it at the moment. Yeah. And we did a, um, a Patron tequila branded exhibition, and I did these sort of golden, um, these golden goddesses and stuff. And, and that's a, a common theme that I've been doing is these sort of uh, godlike um, tribal spiritual uh, type figures tattooed and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So, um, I can show you on the phone, actually. I don't know if it will show through on the video. Yeah, so how, how would you lay the foundations for that, then? Because I've looked at some of the bigger pieces that you do. Like, where, where do you where do you even start from, like, when you have, like, a like a massive wall? Or, like, the, the photo that I've used, 
for this episode. Is that on a villa in Ibiza, is it? No, no, so that's that's another good project that I did. That was um that was in Goa. So that's for a place called Wigwam Goa. Yeah. Fantastic sort of uh, Wigwam hotel sort of place in Goa. And that's that's a huge that's a huge wall. It's like two story. That's probably um, I've done a bigger wall in festivals and far festival, but that's one of the biggest uh, pieces I did, and one of the first times I worked bigger. And um, and that was in that that was basically in the middle of go. It was the middle of the the, the height of the summer. Um, also, sort of, I couldn't really travel with spray cans or anything like that, so I had to sort of try and source the art materials out there. Um, it was a really interesting project. When I got out there as well, they built the, um, the scaffold and, and, and it was about this wide. I was made out of bamboo. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I asked them to build it again. So, but, um, but yeah, that was that was a fantastic. That's probably that's probably one of my favourite pieces that I've done actually. Yeah. Um, I'm always looking to do more pieces like that, but it's just uh, it's just getting the right wall, the right project, and, um, and things like that. So. And then I suppose um, some of the stuff I've done sort of festivals. Um, I'm quite proud of some of the people won't have seen it, but I've done some uh, quite a lot of private work for Jamie in, in these various sort of uh, places, like places of residence and stuff. Yeah. And uh, they're always interesting pieces because I try and do something different every time and stuff like that. So yeah. And various different commissions. So I do I do like big wall, big work on walls, and then I, I do these sort of um, golden goddess style uh, work, abstract work. Um, stuff that I, I've had my own exhibitions with other, with other artists and stuff that I worked in towards them exhibitions. Uh, work that I do with Dicko, which is like part of the, uh, the Dick Brain stuff, which we're, we're going to return to do very shortly. Um, yeah, so and then sort of private bits for Jamie. And then obviously things like the Airstream, which is, uh, is although it's connected to sort of art creations of paradise, it still feels like sort of separate as well. So Yeah, definitely. That that's awesome, man. I just saw that uh, Shorters has joined the chat now. He he, he must have uh, been tipped off that we were talking about him earlier on. <laughs> yeah, he is a bird. Uh, <laughs> so obviously, at, at the moment, it's a real shame because I saw the other day that you posted. You know, you you've been doing the the airstream and the work with Hot Creations and Paradise for several years now, and you know, it it was really interesting to see that. You know, everyone knows that the home of Paradise and I suppose really hot creations in Ibiza is DC10. Obviously, you know, Jamie clearly said no issues with DC10. I just felt like it was time for a new challenge and to, you know, reach new heights. And obviously that was supposed to be the start of the the Decade of Love project with with Amnesia. Um, I mean, I suppose you'd probably agree, but did you feel like it was the right time for maybe it to, to change direction and try something new? With, with with a new it's venue and new project a it's a brilliant challenge it's a massive it, it, amnesia is a, a brilliant massive space it's it's you know it's got its own sort of uh, merits and stuff and you know dc a, a lot of us a lot of the people involved in paradise as well and a, a lot of people have sort of grew up with dc10 and, and seen it go from a really small sort of open air club to this to this bigger club but still amnesia is one of the, the you know the daddies and the people isn't it? You know, yeah of course really really cool place really spot, cool spot so it seemed like a like a really good uh, fit. It fit the sort of paradise and how it was growing. Um, I mean, it's important to note. So I, I mean, I do I do stuff for paradise like artwork and I do things like the airstream and I, I do um, various different paintings that I want to do. But there's also like a creative team behind uh, paradise as well, like Kim Nolan and Maria Jeffrey, who uh, you know all really talented individuals. Yeah. Sort of come up with them. They come up with the artistic concepts, you know, like the, the Decade of Love and, and various different things that have, have gone in the past. 
and then I'm more like a gun for hire for them, you know. So they they sort of come and say, we want this. Um, can you can you paint it there? And and I sort of paint it. And there's been other artists that have, have done that uh, alongside as well. Uh, an artist called Charlotte Archer, who, who's based in Barcelona now. Yeah. So there is there is more of a, a sort of a family, a creative family that, that work with Paradise. It's it's less of a with my creations. It's more or less just me. I, I do most of the work for them. Yeah. Uh, but but with uh, with Paradise, there's there's sort of a really cool creative team and i just plug into that when they need me do you know what i mean yeah but i do i do love doing the airstream the airstream is uh there's, a, there's um dion uh, an old friend who works for jamie she sort of helps with the create with that she uh usually sort of comes up with a wild con- it's almost like a challenge she comes up with a wild concept and then then, then i sort of fulfill it in in visuals, you know what I mean? Yeah, but what I what I think's really good though, and and this is something that I'm, you know, really keen on myself with with trying to grow undergrowth as a brand from like a small brand and then take it to that next level. It, it's really important, and I think that's what I'm noticing from what you're saying is, you know, like Kim is. Um, I've never met her, but Richie said previously on a live stream. Obviously, that's that's his partner, and clearly, you know, that's there's right, that, there's yeah. that family connection and vibe, and I think. If, if a brand is going to have longevity and it's going to be successful, there, there does need to be that family connection involved. Obviously, there is a there is a line where, you know, th- there's being family and it's like, no, there's business to be done here. But it's having that, you know, that kind of perfect blending combination where, OK, yeah, it is business. But also, if we're going to get this done right, you know, we want to operate as a family and make sure that we're doing things right at the same time, if you get what I mean. About, it is about um, relationships at the end of the day. And I mm. think having the right people around you um, that all do the right things is one of the key ingredients for, for longevity in any business, whether it's music, art, or, or yeah. clubbing. So, I think that's where they get it right, really. You know, everyone that, like I said, I mean, um, you know, Kim's massively talented, Marie's massively talented. Um, I really enjoy working with them. Um, you, you know, and, and the sort of things they ask me to do uh, generally, uh, you know, of course, I'm doing. They're usually really big possible deadlines but um <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so c- coming back to the to the music side as well because obviously clearly you know you you love the music just as much as me or, or anyone else but with you doing like did you say that you've actually done a season before you said you have done yeah. a season yeah so back in back in 2014 i was a social worker and uh, social work was it's a tough job you know and um living in London and uh, it all just felt like the right sort of time uh, I got uh, I got asked by a promoter who was doing a night in Destino to do some live art yeah and um, and I sort of approached Paradise at the same time and said you know I'm doing this live art in, in really doing the hot creation pieces uh, let's do some live art in Paradise let's see how it goes and um, so I did all this sort of the, the uh, painting for all the different props and stuff that were in paradise at the time like these pyramids and stuff like that and then i started doing a piece every every week um uh, it, it didn't go in the full season there was loads of technical reasons why it, it couldn't quite work as you can imagine paradise we got got a lot more um successful so i'm, I'm out in the what is the yard now and, uh, and it was meant to be a chill out at, at the beginning you know it's just at the moment you know people go out and party there now you know and um, and there'd just be just hundreds and hundreds of people. I've got paints around. There's a risk of people tagging things. Yeah. I need, a, I need a bit of a set light and stuff like that. So, but I mean, it was brilliant while it lasted. We did some really good pieces, and they ended up using the pieces for the rest of the season. Yeah. And 
then I just for the rest of the, for the rest of that season I, I sort of picked up work doing sort of um, just various sort of different bits and bobs around a beef uh, TV show called a beef uncut um, with uh, Will Best the TV presenter was presenting it and it sort of interviewed everyone like Jamie Seth and uh, even Pete Tong and certainly the end artists were on it as well yeah and I'd be basically I'd be doing a live painting in the background for every episode. You check it out, it's on YouTube actually, it's quite a good watch. Yeah, will do, man, definitely. Yeah, so then sort of little art challenges in there and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, that was an an amazing season. It worked well. I think with live art and clubbing, I've done done some live art in in East London, um, in this bar in in Hatton Wick, where I was above the bar. Yeah. So, like, no one could talk to me, no one could lift the paint, and it worked really well. I've done live art in Gotwood and, and festivals where. Past yeah, them. everyone's steaming. Like even if people are probably not the best place. <laughs> <laughs> people yeah, are spangled, like, knocking over your paint. Yeah, so yeah, it was interesting to say the least. <laughs> yeah, I bet. But in, with, with the music, I know you said that nowadays, obviously, because of having a little one and doing the social work, you only kind of pop your head in every now and again it, it dc 10 I, I quite like that term just no, no one ever pops their head in somewhere like that you pop your head in and then two days later you think oh sake not again but what would you say like the standout sets that you've seen over the years because i mean I, i've only been a couple of times but i i mean me personally i, I watched scream from 5 till 7 a.m in the main room and that was absolutely outrageous like when screams on form he's he's different level and like I've yeah, seen yeah. some decent sets, but what would you say are the the best ones you can remember? I'd agree with you. Scream over numerous years. Um, I mean, staying for Jamie's set as well would always be a good one. Yeah. More or less, nearly every time I play till the, the sun come up, and uh, it'll just get better and better and better. So yeah, obviously Jamie, uh, Cashmere as well. That 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 was absolutely brilliant. Is that is that Green Velvet? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, Dungeon Meat as well, which we've indoors. Next level, like, mate. I love, I love their sort of house anyway. It's um, absolutely brilliant. Like, is it like, Tristan da Cunha and uh, Brother, is it? That's it, yeah. Brother and Tristan da Cunha. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, just, uh, mate, I love everything about, about Dungeon Meat. I love the artwork. I'm well into art anyway. I love the artwork. Yeah. I the tunes. I love, I love the sound and stuff like that. So, so I've seen some wicked sets from Richie as well. So one of my, of my good friends, Rob as well, Rob James, um, yeah, Rob James is cool, man. We previously lived together in, in King's Cross, you know, and uh, yeah, it's like his sets were always really good. And he started doing the radio show there as well. I, in, in more recent years, I've found myself going to the Airstream, listening to the radio show, and, and sort of just dipping into listening to like Jamie's set at the end, and maybe just keeping myself a little bit away from the, yeah. the sort of crowds and stuff. Like that. So I suppose just uh, in my old age, I don't really. Like <laughs> that. Don't with my arm, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, so that's most of what I wanted to discuss with you. There's only one or two more points. So, I mean, I suppose when you first started off with the art, you probably look back now and you you probably I suppose you have to give yourself credit, give yourself a pat on the back. And you think fucking hell, I've achieved probably more than than I ever really imagined or what whatever I set out to do. So there's a lot of things that you've ticked off the. The bucket list and i know that you know with you doing the social work and having a, a little one that maybe some of the art takes a little bit of a back step compared to previously but is there is there still certain things in your mind that you want to get ticked off in terms of a, a goal or target yeah i mean for me it, it's like giving up the day job and becoming an artist 
And I think, like, if there's one advice, if I was going to give advice to my younger self, I would have said give up your day job because your younger self can give up your day job. You've yeah. Less, less time, no mortgage, no kid and stuff. And, yeah. And I, I suppose it gives you that, that um, you know, if you've got a passion and, and you, there's a chance you can you can sort of do it, you know, give up the day job and try your hardest at that passion. Yeah. Um, but, that, but I still see myself in the future. If I could, but if, you know, if it's financially viable to be a full-time artist and... Um, then that would be a passion and, and something that I'd really want to do. And then also working bigger. So I suppose, like, I've got, like, a niche in, in sort of music industry, but, like, like I'd want to um, sort of, like, well, house music and working with Jamie and people like that. But I want to sort of expand working bigger like I did in Goa and just keep on doing bigger projects and, and expanding on that route, so... Yeah, that, that sounds that sounds good, man. Definitely, and that that's something that I'm thinking a lot more about because, like, Monday to Friday, I do my my invoice finance job in private banking and as i suspect you've probably been there in the past where you sit there or you, you stand there doing a job and you think this isn't me like even yeah. if the money's all right and i think you know i, I love what i'm doing now with, with with the management and and working as an agent for like the artists that that i'm looking after and, and developing and i think when, once you once you've tried your hand at a couple of different things and you find something that you're not just passionate about but you think you know what i'm actually all right at this and if i keep working at it it could be something big, but it is it is hard. I mean, like you say, if you're in the position where where I am, I'm a bit of a loner. Got no missus, got no kids, got no mortgage or whatever. Like I, personally, for me, like I, I work with a lot of people in the office, and they're like, "Oh, you're not getting on the property ladder." And I think, well, that's that's what you want. Like that isn't what I want out of life so far. Like I'm 25. There's there's things I want to do, and I want to try my hand at, and that that's what makes me happy personally. So. I think hopefully within the next couple of years, if I just keep building on what I'm doing, and I suppose it goes for anyone in the industry, like if you keep building on what you're doing and, you know, it is hard sometimes, you know, you you have a bit of a reckless weekend, you think, oh, I could have saved a bit there instead of instead of blowing all that, but <laughs> definitely. But I think it's, it's a matter of like, you're going to be more productive because you have more time on your hands, but you're also going to be happier. Like I, I booked a week off this week of my full-time job just been concentrating solely on like elevate and undergrowth and obviously doing these podcasts and it just like it gets that weight off your mind where you think well all right yeah like the money is there from the full-time job but am I really as happy as I would be earning less doing something that I actually really love and I'd wake up every morning yeah. thinking yeah yeah definitely. I mean my overall goal yeah that's cool man I'm, I'm sure it'll i'm sure it'll come anyway so just got a couple of quick fire questions for you but before we go so hot natured hot creations or hot tracks Yeah. Music-wise? Yeah. Uh, hot tracks. Hot tracks. Fair enough. I, I, do you know what? I thought you were going to say hot nature. I don't know why. I thought thought you might go <laughs> yeah. go for that one. Um, what would you say your three favourite pieces of artwork are that you've done from... like What What was your first piece that you ever did for Hot Creations? Um, it was Aliens, Aliens and Spaceships was the first one Hot Creations. But I'd say I've probably got... Um, Yeah. Um, I really, really like that one. And boxed off Patrick Topping. I think that was his second Patrick Topping second. Yeah. 
for some reason, every time I do a Patrick Topping one, I end up doing something that I really enjoy, you know. And, um, I love those ones, all, all the Patrick Topping ones. And that was, like I said before, the, the thing for me, like when I was listening to music and then you look at the artwork, it just, I don't know, it just really intrigued me. And yeah, all, all the Patrick Topping ones you did, I thought was, was sick. And then um, the Nathan Barato album, I don't know if you've seen that, it's like um, kaleidoscopic 90s relics. It's got like Game Boys and it's got um, it's got like old uh, Technic decks and stuff like that. And, yeah. And tech play. It sort of goes in the mandala shape. That was really fun doing. Um, it's, it's completely different to a lot of stuff I've done as well. And then Josh Avell's, um The Sound. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, that's a personal favourite. That's, that's cool, like, man. Yeah, that's sick. Now, Josh is a, a friend of mine. I've known him for a couple of years. I I don't know if I've DJed the same nights as him a couple of years ago, but it's been really good because he's always been a good DJ. But I think you'd probably agree with that techo sound becoming a lot more generic and saturated. He yeah. was working behind the scenes. And then, you know, the sound EP, like we were discussing the other day, and, you know, I've spoke to Josh a couple of times and he agrees with me, because it was something more obscure and probably wouldn't normally sit in the Hot Creations music policy. I think, obviously, I I, I don't know Jamie's, you know, re- reason behind signing it, but clearly he must have thought, you know what, this is different, it's stand out. Really different. Yeah, yeah. definitely, yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think that's what a lot of producers as well, and any advice I can give slightly off topic is that, you know, I think he. I think way, exactly. Yeah. Just, just find, yeah. find your own sound, and don't, yeah. don't just follow the crowd as, yeah, as well. Yeah. And I think he was saying, I think he's got another EP coming up on. I don't know if it's Hot Creations or Hot Tracks. I'm, I'm not going to say for definite because that, that'll just, that'll just spoil his Facebook status. <laughs> but, um, he's, he's given a couple of hints anyway with the palm trees. But he was saying that some of the tracks he's been sat on for two years. And I was saying before to 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 a load of artists that don't just feel like if you produce a quality track that you need to give it as away as a free download or sign it to a mediocre album. If you send it out as a promo and someone as big as Jamie tests it, sees a reaction and thinks it grows on them, they'll think actually I want that for my for my label. So sometimes you might be sat on something for ages, but you're better off waiting until you get it in the right hands instead of just flogging it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Definitely. Definitely. But um, and then final question is what are your top three tracks that spring to mind um on hot creations over the years um i liked um the woolies one uh, house record that was one of my favorites was that was that the steve lawler one house record or no it's no it's, yeah, sorry, not, it's, uh, not that one sorry uh, house house hits sorry um wolford so okay yeah, and then House Record was good as well in mentioning that. They're both really similar. They're both really similar EPs. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I like the drums as well, Richie Ahmed. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to think. Um, Sleep Moods, uh, Rob James. That, mm. was the, that was one of the uh, really early ones. But it's, got, it's just wicked. It's, it's, it's like different to yeah. a lot of stuff, really. It was, it was a lot sort of slow-paced and, and sort of, uh, yeah, sort of rolling on a bit, so it's really good. Yeah, so, I mean, when I first started listening to it, it was more like the Darius Rossian and Hector Kuto collaborations, like the House's House and that, and, um, like, your your early WAF stuff, like Kidney Punch, yeah, all yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff, like that, those tracks, like, but that's that's what I love is that I think some producers now really overcomplicate their tracks, whereas you've got, like, some of the, the Patrick Topping stuff, like... Um, like stop and too much and forgetting that you actually break down the elements there's not a lot in there but 
when you've got that snappy vocal in the bass lines, like, because it, it just works really well. There's not loads in there, but it just, it literally does what it says on the tin, but it's just un, unreal. I mean, what, we're several years down the line and you can still listen to those tracks and you still think, yeah, that's that still would go off if you dropped that at a party. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, the thing is, I think it's been so varied as well, and I think some people might have listened to some like Grayson's tracks from 2004 and think they know what they, that they're all going to sound like. And, yeah. And other people are having fans and collect every single one, but there, there is such a wide array of different stuff. And then obviously there's stuff that's uh, released on Hot Tracks as well, so, yeah. you know, uh, um, yeah, there's definitely loads to plunder from. I mean, there's, there's more or less a release every two, every two weeks, two to three weeks. So. Yeah, it's, it's a big label, man. It's it's up there where your likes have defected now, like because it's such an attractive, appealing label. And, you know, that's like a benchmark label for any producer. Like, it's just yeah. constantly rolling out releases. But just before I let you go... Loads of new talent as well. You know, it's, it's not like they go for the same um, artists every time. There's, uh, you know, Jamie uh, found loads of fresh talent. And yeah. Not many people have heard of Patrick Topping before the release. Exactly. Definitely, and then look at where he's at now. But I think we've only got about two minutes remaining. So what yeah. advice would you give to any artist in terms of yourself, anyone that's, you know, like doing artwork, wants to really get themselves known and go to that next level, you know, working alongside brands in the industry? Um, I mean, don't try not to do stuff for free, basically. Know your worth. Do, do what you do. Do what you love. Um, there's so many people that are going to ask you to... Um, to collaborate because it's so it's in your best interest and you're going to get loads of coverage and coverage isn't going to pay your bills and coverage is true man you know like you, you know especially with festivals and things like that they'll, they'll say for a free ticket or blah 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 and you know and then you get someone who's a DJ who's got four people on the guest list and paying them and stuff so I think stick to your guns uh, earn what you um, you know get paid what you earn um, and you know know your worth basically and, and, and like you said before wait until someone's willing to give you what you're worth don't, don't just sort of yeah. I think that's the same for anything in the industry. Like if you're a DJ, producer or artist, you know, so, someone like yourself, if someone actually really respects you and rates you as much as they say they do, then surely they would pay you and, and give you, yeah, yeah, give yeah. back what you've given them. Because at the end of the day, like you're part of the brand and, and you know, get, giving them their exposure. So they, you know, they, they should give that back as well. So now that's, that's definitely some uh, great advice. But yeah, thanks very much for uh, joining me anyway, Mike. I really appreciate it, yeah, mate. No worries, yeah. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Take care. Oh, thanks, Take care, mate. See you, mate.